tracking me with the names. Uh -huh. Repeat them. Mallory, Kenneth, Aaron, uh, Jamie, Victor, Rodrigo, uh, Barcelona. Hostage name. Uh, uh, Yang. Zhang. Shit. Zhang. Zhang. Hello and welcome, welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? And it's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically we talk about a movie that at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 66. The movie that we watched this week was Haywire from 2011-2012, um, directed by Steven Soderbergh and starring Gina Carano. And joining me this week, I have Christina. Hello. Hi. And also joining us, uh, not on video, but here in on audio, is Keith. Hello. Hey. Uh, so, okay. None of us had seen this movie before, right? I know I hadn't, and Christina, you said you hadn't seen it. That's correct. I have, I have also have not seen the movie. Okay. So we were all brand new to this one. Um, so I mentioned it was a 2012 release, um, 2011 on IMDb. It was actually finished, I think, in 2010. Um, so it sat for a little while. Uh, starring Gina Carano and directed by Steven Soderbergh. So um, I want to kind of start out with the cast because uh, Soderbergh is a fairly well-known uh, director, especially at, by this point, so he can get a decent cast. And I was somewhat surprised by the cast of this movie. Um, it was a hell of a cast. So let's start with Gina Carano. This wasn't her first film, but this was her first starring role. Um, prior to this, I think she had done... Uh, one one other project, she had a small part in Blood and Bone, um, and she'd worked on Command and Conquer Red Alert 3. This is on top of doing the fights, and uh, she had been on American Gladiators when that came back out. Oh. Um, the revival. Okay. She played, uh, she was the gladiator crush. That's actually where I first saw her. I caught an episode of that, and I saw her in there, and then later on found out that she was uh, a pro MMA fighter. And, but this was her first starring role. I thought she was fine. Um, I've seen her in stuff since yeah. then, and she's she has improved as an actor. There's no doubt about that. She was very raw in this, but this was kind of tailored for her. Um, not very dialogue heavy. Uh, a fairly, I don't want to say easy character to play because that's that's not really fair to the writer or to her uh, as an actor. But more straightforward than easy. Yes, I, I think that's a, probably a good way to put it. It's a, it's a very, um, I don't even, it's not necessarily a two-dimensional character because she does get a little bit of growth, but there isn't, there's not a lot of um, like heavy range that has to be done for this character in this movie. Uh, there's a lot of physicality, which she's great at, and she trained really well for. Um, so they really tailored yeah. this movie to her. Yeah, I the, there was one fight scene uh, where it looked like, you know, one of the people involved in the fight scene wasn't that good at fighting, and it definitely wasn't her. <laughs> no. No, you can't uh, you can't say that she was bad at fighting at all, or any of the physical stuff, really. I mean, and that was, again, this movie was a lot of protracted action scenes, um, and then I, I did like the in. I did like the uh, extended parkour scene. That was kind of nifty. 
Yeah, with the rooftops the, and everything. seemed unnecessary. Yeah. Cheap. Nah. <laughs> oh, it totally was. Well, but they were it, going it was, for. It was, but it was fun. Right. This well, is from a this viewer's a standpoint, it was fun to watch. And it was fun to watch in a way that wasn't just eye candy, the way that so many other movies, you know, say, oh, we've got a female lead. We need to have an eye candy scene. No, no they were just like. She's doing her. She's doing her job. She's getting away. This is how she's doing it. This is fun to watch, so we're gonna do it this way. A, a lot of the ways that she did were unnecessary because she backtracked so much. But some of that is on purpose because she's trying to lose people. So you you don't just keep going in a straight line. Some of it, yeah, but other times it kind of lent. It it kind of made it a little more immersive. Like she's going one way, and then she notices, nope. That's not going to work. Finds another way. Doesn't panic. Just, okay, this isn't going to work. Find another way. And in finding the way, she leaves breadcrumbs for other people to follow. (laughs) Well, maybe or maybe Mm. not. But, you know, also, too, I have to, I kind of look at that scene as, uh, as she's maybe not that familiar with Dublin to know exactly where to go. Because at the same time, you know, she might be leaving some breadcrumbs, but she's also finding out, you know, she figures out that she's got another tracker that isn't just her phone uh, buried yeah. in a bag. And, you know, she, she she does some things. I Look, is it perfect? No, this isn't a perfect movie, but um, but I, I enjoyed her in this quite a bit. Um, and she's gone on oh, to... Oh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and she's gone on to do some decent stuff. I mean, she was in Fast and Furious 6. Um... But uh, kind of a breakout for her was Angel Dust and Deadpool before finally mm. doing uh, The Mandalorian um, as, Cara, as Cara Dune, uh, which she was fantastic in. And that's where I yeah. started seeing a lot more of her acting abilities. She's, you know, over the last eight or nine years has really improved there. Um, yeah, I just... Okay. I, I like yeah, it. when you mentioned Angel Dust, I that's, that's when it clicked as to where I'd seen that face before. <laughs> um, so Channing Tatum, I had no clue he was in this at all until it started. Um, that surprised me a little bit. Actually, a lot of people did because I knew this was low budget and fairly small movie. So to see Channing Tatum and then Michael Douglas, um, Antonio Banderas, and then, uh, yeah, you, Ewan McGregor. And then you get Michael Fassbender after that. Like it just kept going. Um, well, not, not only Antonio Banderas, but Antonio Banderas with a beard. Yes. For most of the movie. This is true. Um, it's interesting because the the Michael Douglas, Banderas, and McGregor, so Alex, Rodrigo, and Kenneth are sort of the bad guys, but you never really like I. Rodrigo is there, and then he just sort of disappears for most of the movie, and then pops back up at the end. I kind of that that always, I don't know, rubs me the wrong way because it feels a little lazy in terms of writing. Banderas was great I've, in the character is a very one note character, but it just, I, there's something about that. Like we've got this character, we've shown him and then we don't talk about him at all for most of the movie. And then he pops back up at the end as, as the bad guy, as the mastermind. Yeah. I mean, I, I have issues with time jumps and stories to begin with. I don't like them at all. Here, we're going to start in the middle of the story and then jump backwards. Well, that's a very Soderbergh way to structure a film, too. He, he does it a lot, but we'll get into that a little bit later. 
Um, oh, there are others that do it too that I don't care for either. So you're much more a fan of just a linear story. You just want a start and go linearly and, and end. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. I, I'm, I'm just I, curious. I, I mean, there, it's nice to have forks, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to tell a story, start where you want to tell. Don't jump around. Well, I, it, it annoys me. I guess for me, I just like different structured stories. I have nothing nothing against or no problems with a story that just starts in one spot and time progresses the way that we know of time, and that's what you get. But look at a movie like Memento, which does essentially that but in reverse because that movie starts with the last scene and works itself backwards but tells the story going forwards. It's really interesting to structure a story that way. The movie I did last yeah. week for the show was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is all told through a flashback. So it has bookending, and that's a, a very different different from a linear progression story because you're starting off with somebody who already knows the end of the movie and is telling you the story. So and if we're talking about a story that jumps, if we're talking about stories that jump around in, in time, we, we can't really go without mentioning Pulp Fiction. Thank yeah. you. That's one of them that pissed me off with that. I I, I kind of I, I kind of took that one as. It's it's sort of like um, kind of like how they did uh, um, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch, um, Guy Ritchie, how how he did those movies where you know it was, was kind of separate stories and he kind of bounced back and forth between all of them and then it all crashes together. But yeah, I guess the difference the difference there is the way Guy Ritchie structured those movies is you've got it, it's still in linear order. Yeah, you've got story A, B, and C. From... Right, but you're not jumping in time. You're you're jumping from right. story A to story B to story C, and then they all coalesce at one point. Pulp Fiction, on the other hand, says we're going to start here and move along, but now we're going to rewind to partway through that and have a story. And and the, I guess the thing that doesn't bother me about Pulp Fiction is these stories, it's more like life. These stories are all going on at the same time. We're getting this story, and now, oh, we're going to also talk about this story that happened, but it, it overlaps. It, ha- it started before the last one, but it ended partway through it, or it started before and ended after type of thing. I don't know. It doesn't bother me. And a movie like this, the way it was structured didn't bother me so much as the things that got left out that never really tied up. And so that's kind of where I was starting with this. These three characters of Alex Koblenz, uh, Rodrigo and Kenneth, you never really have a full idea of their motivations at any point because Rodrigo money. Start, well, money, <laughs> money ends up being, uh, the motive is always money, you know? So there's that, but, um, Rodrigo starts out, he's helpful. And he even, you know, then then he disappears for most of the movie, comes back up for one one scene where she calls him, and then he's gone again. And then you find out at the end, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it, because we do that here, but it, uh, you know, he was the one masterminding the whole thing. Michael Douglas's character, Koblenz, I never got a full idea of where he was coming from, because he seemed like he was playing both sides against the middle all the time, so... I don't know. I mean, it it detracts a little bit for me. Like it makes the movie, you know, a B plus instead of an A. Because uh, it's a fun action movie, but some of that I feel like could have been fleshed out a little bit more, or at least given some better motivation than 
Because Michael Douglas at one point is berating Ewan McGregor, but is he doing that because he's working with him, or is he because then a scene later, it makes it seem as though he was trying to set him up to take the fall? I don't know. So it it was a little convoluted there, but again, that's sort of Steven Soderbergh, because this is the guy that gave us the Oceans trilogy. So this was basically like a spy movie version of an Ocean's Eleven movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's, it's, it's spy stuff. If this is what they do. They set up somebody else to take the fall for something that they're doing. So uh, Kit London in the chat room is asking, what is this movie about? So I'll give a brief synopsis of the movie. Um, Gina Carano plays a character, Mallory Kane. At the beginning of the movie, she is at a coffee shop, a diner. in It's supposed to be like upstate New York. She is a contract player with a private firm that is contracted by the government to do spy stuff. It's spy shit. So she's on the run at the beginning of the movie, and then we get the whole backstory of what happened, how she ended up on the run. And then the movie ends with her probably clearing... Cleaning up. Cleaning <laughs> up, yes. Cleaning the mess up, I guess would be the way to put it. So it's uh, it's your, your... I don't want to say bog standard, but it is a, it is a spy movie. Um... Very action-heavy. Um, simple, pretty simplistic story overall, but enjoyable. Um, and it had a great cast. I mean, we talked about Channing Tatum. Michael Douglas, I think, was fine in it. Um, Banderas and then Ewan McGregor kind of playing. I sort of see... So, Christina, I know you, you and I both saw Birds of Prey. And there's a little yeah. bit of his Black Mask character in in this one. Or a little bit of this character in his black mask from that movie. I can see yeah. a little bit of that. It's always weird seeing him play somebody that I if don't If he was like. more demented, then he'd be black mask. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. So it, it's, always, it's always so hard for me to, to see him in a role of a person that I'm not supposed to like because I like Ewan McGregor so much. Hello there. And uh, General Kenobi... You know, we mentioned Michael Fassbender, too. Michael Fassbender's in this. Not for very long, but he's good. He doesn't have a ton to do. Um, I did like the the behind-the-scenes stuff I read about uh, one scene in particular. Ah, yes. Let's see if I can find it. (laughs) Uh, According to Gina Carano, she was supposed to miss when she threw the vase at Michael Fassbender, but she had an adrenaline rush while they were shooting and smashed the vase against his head. And her quote is, Fassbender's crazy. He loves that shit. He had no problem slamming me into anything. Actually, Soderbergh told him once, we need to get a better shot of you slamming your head into the wall. And I was like, damn, that thing's not soft. But, you know, Soderbergh's behind the camera causing mischief. So he did it and she reacted. Uh, and I love the fact that she's like, she's sitting there thinking, oh, great, I'm fired. I'm going to lose this job. And Fastbender comes back with like, no, I actually, I probably deserve that. And I could see the glint in your eye that it was going to happen. So... <laughs> That that shot of her where she smashes the vase off his head, that wasn't the way it was uh, choreographed, and they kept it anyway. I can kind it of see that. It was a great scene. That was a good fight. It was a really good fight. Um, I didn't expect... I expected him to lose the fight. I didn't expect the ending, the outcome of that fight, to be what it was. Yeah. I mean, usually I... you can... Go ahead. I was kind of hoping that it that it that it would end up that way. So I was kind of happy about that. Because it's it's always good to see a spy movie in a spy movie where 
you know, she's she doesn't seem like the type to like loose ends. I mean, she stated that when she chased down the one guy and then dropped the roll up door on him. I don't like loose ends. <laughs> that was a good scene too. Yeah. Yeah, so she drops that roll up door on the guy and it's like, why'd you chase him? I don't like loose ends. We well, can't let you can't let a fast bender live. That's a loose end. Fair enough. I just when when the movie started, I guess I didn't expect that that would be a scene I would see. Um, yeah. Like I say, I expected she was going to win the fight somehow, but I didn't think that, or even if she did take him out, I didn't think it would be uh, that cold. A, well, yeah, with a gunshot through a pillow like that um, after choking him out. Which, by the way, if you have to get choked out, there are worse ways. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. If I've got to get choked out. Gina Carano can wrap her thighs around my neck and do it. That's fine by me, but whatever. I'm a very Kinky. simple creature. Um, but no, I, that the the choreography of that fight was really good. Um, you know, because you could see it coming. It was, the tension was building the entire time they were walking into the hotel. Um, and as soon as they walk into the room, and he punches her in the back of the head, and it's on. And I just thought it was a it was a really good fight, and that's what our third or fourth action scene by that point because we've had the fight in the diner, which was good and quick, and they were very brutal fights. All of them were very, very, very brutal type. Shockingly, um, coffee pot to the back of the head. Oh man! Also, this this is I've only seen Channing Tatum in two movies, and he dies in both of them. Yeah, well, and that, so, okay, I did like the fact that beginning of the movie, I'm kind of taking Channing Tatum as he's, he's not on the, on her side, right? Because the fact that he just attacks her like that, you kind of figure out, no, he really was very neutral in the whole thing. He was just in it for money. He would just wanted to get paid and he was doing a job. And when he kind and of having fun doing it too, because there was that one scene in Barcelona yeah, but you get you you get a sense that that's all he was doing, and when he kind of figured out that maybe things weren't quite as above board as he thought, that's when he started questioning things. So it was good of her to tell her dad, you know, hey, poke, poke at that. Um, but I I I kind of I he's got a broken that. arm. It's kind of my fault. <laughs> but I appreciated that that arc for his character. It gave his character a little bit more um, to sort of have that redemption at the end. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, the scene you were talking about where she chases the guy. So they, they do the whole heist part of it, basically, the, get the rescue, they get the guy out of the building, um, which the entire time I was watching that, it just felt like Ocean's Eleven because of the way it was shot, the way it was edited, the way the music was playing with it. Um, Soderbergh loves to use those jump cuts, so it just felt like a, an Ocean's Eleven heist makes sense but from the moment it switches from the black and white to color and she starts to chase him all i could think is how is she not catching this guy for that entire run i'm like come on she's clearly running faster than him and she can't make up any ground she was running like one quarter of a mile an hour faster than him the entire time and she wasn't having any of the problems with the terrain that he was right like so Oh, well, I see this, I see that, and this guy's just, like, got to run. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know, the plot demanded it, but um, I just thought she she would have caught him a lot sooner than that. It was a, 
that was a um again one of those really brutal kind of hallway fights with good choreography i mean her first her first instinct when she gets into that hallway is to jump up and use that wall for leverage i i actually applauded when that happened i was like yes good move um now i know what you do if you had a cage there now i know she did have a uh, a 6 week uh tactical training course with um and apparently that was pretty in depth like they put her with another soldier and they were having her track people and they were having people track her um when she didn't know about it like at, i guess at one point she came out of the hair salon with she had just gotten extensions and they're they're there type the, of thing the main guy was there yeah so uh they definitely put her through some paces and it shows it shows on screen because it's fairly believable that she was she was in the military of some kind her character was Oh yeah! First thing, <clears throat> grab the gloves, take a, and run a, run a tracer on the cell phone. Yes, and thank you for having her put gloves on. How many yeah. times do you yeah. see a spy movie or any movie or TV show where they don't put gloves on? And that's the first thing I think is great. Now your fingerprints are all over that thing. Yeah. So, and I also chuckled a bit when she grabbed her own phone when she went into the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> and then they show him going through everything trying to find the phone. Yep. Um. Oh, one other actor I wanted to bring up. Uh, aside from Bill Paxton, that was great to see because um, love Bill Paxton. But uh, Struder, um, kind of our our actual big bad guy, right? The one that financed everything was played by Matthew Kasovitz. Now, if you listen to this show, you've heard that name once before because he was in Amelie. Um, but he was also in The Fifth Element. He's the guy with the hat and the gun that is sticking up Bruce Willis in the hallway. The give me the cash oh. guy. Okay. And when I saw you, his, you want you want to turn off the safety right there. Yeah. When when right. I saw his face, I was like, I, right there. I know him. I couldn't think of what I knew him from, so I had to look it up, and sure enough, that's what it was. So had to mention that because I just I thought that was a cool little uh, little bit of trivia. Um, Bill Paxton. When? So this was well. I guess this was filmed in 2010. And he didn't pass away till 2017, so never mind. Still too young. Yes. He was, he was 61, but still too young. Um, yeah, this movie sat on the shelf for over a year because it changed distributors, and that, I think, hurt it. Because it wasn't a huge success. And it's kind of sad. This movie should have, and I'm not saying it should have been like a blockbuster, you know, top 10 grossing film of, of 2012 or 2011, whenever it would, was going to come out. But it should have had a pretty solid um, solid run. It was a $23 million movie, so a pretty small budget by, um, by film standards. Uh, made 18.9 in the U.S. and just a little over 34.5 worldwide. So not a great return, um, especially for somebody like Soderbergh, who's made the Oceans trilogy that all grossed over $300 million. Right? This is a director who's made movies that can make money. I'm not sure why this one didn't do better than it did, other than it sitting for so long. I mean, um, until you brought it up, I never heard of it. Maybe the audiences just weren't looking for spy movies at that point. Well, or it I mean, had their fill of them. Part I'm of it not was, really sure what was going on with that genre at that point in time. I don't know how saturated the you know, their their viewing pool would have been. So it was filmed in twenty ten. It was finished. 
from what I could gather reading about it, Steven Soderbergh had an idea to have it closer to like what this final film was, but the original studio was Lionsgate, and they wanted more action-packed, and he wanted more of like these drawn-out action sequences, but with story in between them, and they wanted more kind of action throughout, I guess. So Yeah, that, that, that's Lionsgate. Yeah, I mean... That was your first problem was Lionsgate, but it ended up not being them. They I've enjoyed they... some of their films. Not a lot, but some of them. Right. Uh, but it ended up being Relativity Media that released it. So there was a bunch of reshoots to do. Um, and I think just the delays probably hurt it more than anything. One thing they did that I wasn't a fan of, I want to see if you guys noticed it or not, her voice. Yeah, it was dubbed. So, yeah, not every line was, but a majority of her lines were dubbed by a different actor. And her voice, when it did appear in the movie, was uh, heavily processed to make her sound or make her voice sound deeper. I didn't like the dubbing. It was really noticeable to me. Uh, Keith, did you notice that at all? I didn't, but at the t- at all the same, you know, I was trying to also keep an eye on uh, my son at the time, so... Fair enough. Watching the movie. I have a weird habit of watching people's lips, so it, when it yeah, doesn't I do match, too. I notice. Yeah, when, well, when I have when I have less to pay attention to around me, I I can pick up on things like that. Um, there there was a cut like back to the uh, um like you you notice the the lips and and catch when it's dubbing. I notice certain things with firearms handling because I'm a nerd like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But I I don't want to I don't want to end the the talk. So most dialogue in movies is dubbed. Like that's not an un, an uncommon practice to overdub and and everything in your dialogue because a lot of times the dialogue that's caught on set, especially in something action related, just isn't usable. It's not going to be good enough. I had the pro- the problem I had was it was not her doing it. Not all of it and so it wasn't done very well. It didn't feel like, like I shouldn't notice that, you know, there's times where you'll catch like an over the shoulder shot and you can tell the person's mouth is moving and they're saying a different line. They dubbed in a different line to use that. Well, I get. not everything can be Jim Cummings filling in for Jeremy Irons. No, 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 no. That's not my point. My point isn't like <laughs> it can happen it, because so much dialogue is, is overdubbed. It'll happen where you use a take from, you use a line from a different take and you put it in somewhere, and that's fine. But first of all, don't use somebody else's voice. That bothered me a little bit, just from a, from a level of, like, let her have her own voice. But also, do a better job of it. I mean, it's not that difficult to do. I've done it. So that, that bothered me a little bit. I mean, overdubbing a voice isn't that difficult. They could have done a better job of it, and maybe let her do her own. That's, that's my thought. But um, Keith, you had started to talk about firearm handling, and I know you're a total dork for that. So, I am. Go ahead. I, um, like the the scene where she slowly chambered around. You you can't really do that too well without really forcing the last bit. You can't ride the slide back into place and have the round fully seated. It doesn't. It needs some force to do that. So that that was one one thing that doesn't didn't really. Uh, well, click that well for me. There was also the unnecessary chamber slide. There was a couple of times where that had happened. Um, 
like there was one in the diner I saw for certain, but I also, you know, having to keep track of my son at the time, I couldn't be sure that the something, you know, I, they, there was two people trying to handle the firearm at the same time. I wasn't sure if the slide was being held, which would prevent the, the slide from cycling. There, there was also the, why did you put the, the, why did you arm the gun and then slide it into the underneath the, the mattress? Why? Well, Fassbender did that, but she didn't. No, she did too. Yeah, she did. She okay, but it. I guess I didn't catch the slot, the uh, the chambering then. No, they both they both checked, loaded, and then chambered their weapons before putting them between the mattress and box spring. Well. Chances are, in their line of work, if you need a firearm, you need it now, not, you know, you need you need to be able to pick it up and it needs to go bang right now instead yeah, of that. That having didn't the time me too to. Much. And the it's... other thing is, she's so highly trained. Why, you know, when she peeked around the corner, uh, with with the micro Uzi, um, why didn't she, you know, why didn't she switch hands if she's so well trained? Hmm. That I'm not sure about. I mean, that again, she if she only had six weeks of training prior to the, shooting the movie, right? Right. I, I was. I'm. I'm talking more about the character. I, yeah. I think that'd be something that they would be like, okay, we need you to do this here. So, yeah. And I don't know. It's it's just think, something that sticks out to me. I think something like that is very possibly just a they made it up on the spot type of movement. Maybe they didn't realize that that something like that would come up, so they never went over it. Right, and it's like I said, I'm a big dork about things like this, and I'll I'll be the first to admit that there's pl- probably plenty of things that I completely missed. But it's as far as how you know, a fairly decent trigger discipline throughout the whole movie. I've no I noticed, you know, not a bunch of people running around with their fingers on triggers or anything. Yeah, I I get when people talk about um, you know that in movies and when it's a gross misrepresentation, I understand it. Um, it can get a little bit nitpicky and it's sort of, I have to, I have to look at it like I do a sports movie where they're not trying to. These rep- aren't the actual at sports well, they're movie. Not- it's not the actual athletes and these aren't actual, you know, spy military, you know, paramilitary contractors or anything. But. Well, not only that, but they're they're not trying necessarily to replicate that as it would be in real life. They're trying to tell a story using that as a tool. So yeah, that's fair. there's Kinda going like to the be Ma- some leeway. The MacGyver stuff. Yeah, MacGyver, MacGyver stuff or, you know, pick pick your movie. I mean, there's no sound in space. Star Wars would be a really boring damn movie if there was no sound, if they had no sound <laughs> in space. Let's Touché. be honest. They knew early well, on we can either be realistic or we can make the better movie. We're going to go that route. We already got we already got swords made of you know of hard light. Let's yeah. just go with let's just go and have fun. Exactly. So, well, with Mac- Go ahead. With MacGyver, they purposely left steps out from the stuff that he was doing so that people couldn't go through and redo everything. Yeah. True. So, Which I mean, is a good idea because when I was a kid, I loved MacGyver, and I tried to recreate some of that stuff, yeah. and it didn't work. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I I, I can give a little bit of leeway in something like when she picked up the, the pistol in the diner and racked it. Um, and, yes, a live round flew out of the, the chamber. 
But now she knows for certain, without beyond a shadow of a doubt, that there's a good round in the chamber because who knows what could have happened during that struggle. So little things like that don't bother me as much as like, you know, running down uh, the street with your finger on the trigger. Yes. Or shooting a shotgun at a propane tank and the pro like a giant propane tank and the whole thing blows up from one shotgun, you know, blast. Or, or the dude shot. goes flying over a couch because he got shot with a shotgun. Yeah. Like those, those can really pull me out of something, but you know, nitpicky ones don't, don't quite as much. Um, Again, as long as it's serving the story. And really, when it comes down to it, what I want is consistency. What are the rules you've set in your world of this movie, and are you abiding by those rules? So, Which, for the most part, it did. Yeah, oh, definitely. I think so. Um, so, okay. Uh, I mentioned Steven Soderbergh, and I mentioned the Oceans movies, but he's done quite a bit. He's got 40, 44 director credits. Um, to his name he's been impressive he's been directing since the late 90s his first film was sex lies and videotape in 1989 um, but he really gained kind of popularity and notoriety um, from that and then it was sort of like the, the 90s up until like 98 weren't that great for him there was a lot of stuff that was small independent things that didn't get seen or didn't review very well didn't make a whole lot of money then he did out of sight in 98 with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez was in that. Um, and that's sort of where his career started to really pick up. He did out of sight and then the limey and then Aaron Brockovich 2000 was a big year for him. He did Aaron Brockovich and traffic the same year. He got okay. nominated for best director for both of those films in the same year. Yeah. Um, and traffic I saw traffic was really good. Um, I did not see Aaron Brockovich. But, um, I have heard good things, though. I have, too. Uh, and obviously it won uh, Julia Roberts an Oscar. So. Um, but then the next year he did Ocean's Eleven, and that's really when he became... So Traffic and Aaron Brockovich brought him the critical acclaim, uh, the awards, and then Ocean's Eleven really took him to that, like, hey, this guy can make money, too, because Ocean's Eleven made a ton of money. Um, but he does a yeah. lot of a lot of interesting things. Um because the Oceans movies, they're pretty straightforward. They do have, again, that style I was kind of talking about earlier where he, he uses a lot of jump cuts and he doesn't do a lot of establishing shots. If you noticed, there's always, like in this movie, the, the whole setup for the, the rescue was those jump cuts and where the audio doesn't match with what you're seeing. So you're, you're hearing audio that is somebody maybe talking about what's going to happen while you're seeing what's going to happen. And so that sort of plays into we started talking about the the way it messes with time and the way the story's told in time. There's a little bit of that there because they'll be talking about Ocean's 11 did this a lot where they'd lay out what the what the con was going to be and while they're explaining it you're seeing it all happen in real time. Um, and a lot of jump cuts. It's a visual style that works for him in this I think even if I didn't know it was Soderbergh, I probably could have figured out that it was just because of that. Um, it's a very distinct style. But it kind, style. Of, Plus, kind of made sense to do it that way because at that point she was explaining what happened to the guy to, to the guy in the car. Yeah, and it, and I, I do like that. You know, she made sure that he got through it alive so that he could tell somebody, "Hey, this is what happened. This is what she told me." You know. 
that there yeah. was a reason to do it that way. For a little while, I was trying to figure out why she was explaining all of this to this dude that she had. She didn't know at all. Like I was trying to get my head around. Okay, why? Why is why is she doing any of this stuff with this guy right now? By yeah, the end of the movie, it makes sense. Well, yeah, it puts him in more danger. But I get where where they were going with that by the end of the movie. But it just felt weird. It felt like something that a, a person with that training wouldn't do. Um. I'm sitting there screaming at the kids, stop asking these questions. <laughs> yeah, he took it really well, I think. Basically getting kidnapped out of the diner after seeing her get into a fist fight and a gunfight with some dude and then pistol whipping the hell out of him and then turning and around snapping just saying, his arm. Yeah, and turn around and saying, Where's your car? Give me your keys. And Matt, he took it fairly well. Wasn't he also the dude that jumped on Channing Tatum's back? Yes. Yeah, he intervened. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why she picked him, because, okay, this guy's willing to intervene for somebody else's safety. He's already on my side. Yeah, probably. Oh, and boy, she took a, a cup of hot coffee to the face fairly well, didn't she? Like, Oh, that, yeah. Oof, no thanks. Um, so... Okay, so I talked about Oceans 11, 12, and 13. Um, he also did um, The Informant, which is like a black comedy about uh, whistleblower inside insider guy. He did Contagion right before he did uh, Haywire. Um, Magic Mike with Steven Soderbergh. So another Channing Tatum movie. The first Magic Mike. He, didn't, he did not uh, yep. do the second one. Um, his most recent stuff was uh, Logan Lucky. In 2017, um, Unsane, he did in 2018. I don't know anything about Unsane or High Flying Bird or The Laundromat. These are Never heard of apparently them. titles of movies. Um, but those are all Steven Soderbergh. Could have <laughs> I think overall... Well, we didn't see a release in our area, so we wouldn't have seen much traffic for him. Yeah, I'm not sure. Ad traffic. Um, on the whole, I like Soderbergh. Um, of what I've seen of his, um, some of his stuff is a little a little out there. Um, I did not see, and I kind of want to see, um, his two-parter about uh, Che Guevara, starring Benicio del Toro, just because yeah. I think that would be interesting. It's four hours long, so it's a, Che Guevara, it, huh? It's a tough one to get through, um, just lengthwise. But uh, I think over like he he does a pretty fun style of movie, and they usually do not feel overly long. That's why it's amazing he did a four-hour-long thing because this was an hour and a half. This was really uh, a breezy movie. Um, and a lot of that is because there was hardly any dialogue. There was stretches of movie yeah. with no dialogue. I mean, it, it felt fine. Mm -hmm. It went through pretty quickly. I think it was paced really well. Um, yeah. So, you know, it was... Uh, it was kind of your standard spy thriller in that you're getting little bits of information as you go. And then you get the big reveal at the end. Um, which by the way, when she, the shot where Ewan McGregor goes to the beach, he's like, I'm going to go for a walk. And he's walking along the beach. And when he finally stops and the camera switches from like a long shot of him standing on the beach to over his shoulder. And as soon as it flips, you just see her in a full sprint for him. I laughed yep. out loud. I couldn't help myself. Well, I, I left myself hard too because is it yeah, I'm going for a walk. First thought in my head, yeah, your last walk. Yeah, probably. 
And sure enough. But, oh, man, that was so great. Her just full bore sprint for him and just tackles him. And then they have, you know, they have their fight. Um, I, I was really hoping that he wouldn't notice until she made physical contact. Like it was, close. I, I was really hoping for that, but yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to approach at that speed with, you know, silently that's, you know, she, yeah. she didn't, she didn't make her stealth check. What with the full movement speed penalty. <laughs> uh, what a way for him to go out too. Ugh. Oh yeah. First of all, and I, you know me and my ankles, so I'm squeamish anytime I see that in a movie. Like I have yeah. a visceral, I have a visceral reaction anytime somebody snaps an ankle in a movie. Because that I've, foot was I've full backwards. Yeah, that was yep. that was not good. Um, and then she just left him there. Mm-hmm. Like that was she. The movie's not shy. Like it is brutal. I mean, she just leaves him there to die from high tide. <laughs> so it's not like, like it's going to happen that quickly. Is that is going to take some time for that to ha- to happen. But you know, he he earned that from her. Um. And I think that's part of it is she she is definitely capable of doing something. And you get a note, you get a feeling of that when her dad, when Bill Paxton sees her take that guy out in the bathroom, where she kind of hook kicks him and pulls him down onto the marble countertop, and then and then elbow picks drops him back, him. picks him back up to knee drop the back of his neck, and you see the look on his face of like, okay. And that to me was interesting. That's another one of those where it's like a it's a it's a story thread you could pull on and get some more out of. Is like, has she gone too far now? Does he think she's gone too far in that direction? Because it's sort of the look he had on his face. It was almost a, a frightened look for her. Is like, man, she's been maybe she's been in this business for too long, type of thing. I don't know. A little bit of that, and a little bit of I knew she was tough, but I didn't realize she was that tough. Yeah. It's the type of business. It is. Um, thoughts on the ending. What did you think of the way the movie ended, starting with uh, Christina? To me, this whole movie felt like a pilot for a TV series. Yeah, you're not that far off. That's sort of... It was sort of like a, a glorified sizzle reel for Gina Carano, right? We're going we're gonna to show you what she's capable of. Um. So yeah, I, I think I, that actually I, I wanted more. But let's continue this girl's story. Yeah. See how far she goes. Where's that TV series? But you know, if it had made more money, we probably would have gotten more. Well, we definitely would have gotten more. But, um, but what did you think of how the movie ended? Because I it, I didn't hate it. Um, in you in framing it that way, where you know, sort of, the first story or the pilot, um. It, it kind of makes sense how it ended, but what did you think of it as right as it happened? I mean, that's exactly what I thought was, oh, this feels like a freaking trailer or a freaking uh, pilot. Let's go. A let, sequel let, set up. Yeah. Okay. Keep yeah, I mean, it, it was basically set up uh, where she could, in a sequel or a TV series, actually start working for the government that was proposed. Okay. And Keith, what did you think of the ending? And then... Then I'll um, kind of get an ex- explanation of the ending for people listening, uh, since that's what we do. I, you know, when Antonio Barris, you know, it gives his last line, I was kind of, and then it just cuts out. I'm like, no, I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to see that that shit kicking that she was going to deliver. Yeah. So, uh, pardon the language, but 
it there's no other way to describe what she does. Yeah. Well, so the same word for the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie. Yeah, the first and last lines of the movie are exactly the same, and it's just shit. Because that's the first thing she says when she's sitting in the coffee shop when uh, Channing Tatum shows up, and it's a great reaction too. Because you've got Antonio Banderas is sitting here thinking he got away with it, and he's in um, wherever the hell they were, Mallorca. I don't. Mallorca. I'm, I'm sure I mispronounced that, but he thinks he's gotten away with it, and then he's confused. New and he life, walks over life. there, and she drops down behind him, and he turns around. And how else is he? I mean, that's the perfect way to react to that. He just reacts with "well, shit," and it cuts to black. So yeah, yeah, I kind of had the same thing. Like, no, I want to see her, you know, finish the job. But at the same time, it's kind of a, a good way to end it because it it and always leave them wanting more. Yep. So it worked. Um, overall, enjoyable movie. Um, I really wish it would have done better at the box office and had kind of a better, even a, like a better cult following. Because like you said, you'd never even heard of it until I mentioned it. Um, I knew of it, but I only knew of it because. Um, you're well, a film nerd? Yeah, because I'm a film nerd. So I remember nerd. hearing about it sitting on the shelf for like a year, um, you know, eight, nine years ago when it came out. Um, but I just wish it could have had a better... Because if you look at... Think of like La Femme Nikita. It's, yeah, sort of, right. it's sort of along those lines. I could see Gina Carano being perfect for that, especially at that point. Like that was... This was the beginning of her career. I'm glad that she's starting to get stuff like Mandalorian and like, um, oh, what was the other one? I guess she hasn't. She was only in the one Fast and Furious, um, but but um, even even a new series similar to La Femme Nikita, with with her in it, you know, either either a few movies, you know. I mean, there was even the recent one uh, what was Atomic Bomb that was. Blonde that oh, was yeah. basically similar story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I like her. And one of the things I liked with uh, the Mandalorian was she got to play a character that was that tough. You know, use her physicality, right? Because it's it's like having an act. Any actor that has that physical ability, use that. That's what made like Stephen Amell as Arrow worked because they played to his strength, um, which is. Being able to do the salmon ladder, uh, look really good without a shirt on, and brood a lot. So, <laughs> yeah, they basically <laughs> turned him into freaking Batman. But that, well, you know, it's it's better than running around in a you know an Errol Flynn hat. Is it though? Is it? Yeah. Um, I, I have never liked that hat. It. I, I've always had a displeasure with that style of hat. I don't know what it is. I don't like it. You can throw it in the trash. Show us I on the see doll. That in the comic book Green Arrow. I don't like it. Well, show us, show the us on the doll where the man is closer to the outfit that he's wearing yeah, in this series. That's so. true. Well, I mean, he was based on Robin Hood, so of course he's going to have a hat yeah. like that. But kind of getting back to what I was saying, like use the physicality that she has, right? So it's perfectly fine. Yeah. It, I have no problem with her, and it's not so much typecast, but it kind of is. But have her as a character like Cara Dune or. Like she was in, um, I mean, she was in well, Kickboxer kind of Vengeance. Like, it's almost like an Alakine's gun situation. You know, if if there, you know, if there's a gun in the first act, it must go off in the second or third act. Oh, a Chekhov's gun? 
Check. Yeah, I always screw that up, don't I? I don't. I don't know what you said. You made noises, but they weren't really words. Yeah. Sorry. But this is him. There was some this sort of like a, was some sort of like an <laughs> Occam's razor slash Chekhov's gun, and it came out as like Alakazam's gun. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I... But yeah, it just glue my mouth shut sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we have to. Um, but like her role in Deadpool as Angel Dust was was perfectly suited for her. You know, she gets to play oh, the, yeah. the the heavy henchman, right? You know, and just gets to beat the hell out of Colossus. That was great. Um, she's done superhero landing. Yep, yep, got to do the superhero landing. That's got to be like a benchmark in in an acting career. Now, Mandalorian was great because she got to do that, but also stretch a little bit acting wise. Um, and a series is perfect for that because you just have more appearances, right? You have more time to to do that. I just I like her, and I'm hoping that she can keep a career going in this because she's got a lot of charisma, and I think she's got some decent uh, acting ability. So I hope to hope to see more uh, more stuff with her. I'm glad I finally watched this just to, if for nothing else, to see how she can do carrying a movie, and I think she carried the movie fairly well. Nowadays, you'd want more dialogue from her, or you do this now. You, I, I would like to see the continuation of this story and see more, yeah, of this character because I think I think that it could be some interesting stories to tell, especially as you start to pull at some of those plot threads and fill in some of the gaps that I was talking about earlier. That I want to know, like I want to know Michael Douglas's character and what the hell is he doing? Who's is he on a side? Was he trying to play everybody against each other? Did he know about Rodrigo? Because she didn't, I don't think, at that point, she didn't know about Rodrigo. So how much did he know about that? Because they worked together, that kind of stuff. So I would like to see more in this world. But I say that a lot on this show, I think, with the exception of Miami Vice. I don't need any more in that world. No, Ugh. no, no. No, that no, that one can be done. That, so, oh, shouldn't, oh, that shouldn't have been made. No, it really shouldn't have. But overall, I think we have a consensus. All three of us, first time seeing the movie, we all liked it. Yep. You know, I'm definitely. You know, as far as letter grades go, this this was a B. It was above average, but not top notch. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I think uh, a different director is going to have a different uh, visual style that might fit the action sequences a little bit more. Um, I, I like Soderbergh, but I like him for, um, the setups that he does more so than the actual action. Cause he also is his own director of photography a lot. So you see a lot of that with his the use of color and the way he frames stuff. But I don't know. I, I liked the movie. I'm with you. It's sort of that B B plus range for me. Um, it's not, it's not great. I'm not rushing out to see it again. I'm not going to sit here and say it's one of my favorite movies but it was solid and if somebody asked me about it i'd say sure it's worth watching and you know it had it had a much better cast than i thought and i liked everybody in it even when they're playing fairly one-dimensional characters like um i mean antonio banderas doesn't have a whole lot to do in the movie but he's also not in it for that long so it doesn't feel like he's wasted so yeah overall good movie uh definitely worth worth a see especially i mean it's on netflix it's an hour and a half long. Yeah. So go go watch yeah. it. By all means, please do. I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of the way things looked in the nighttime scene 
at the at the dad's house in New Mexico. I'm not a big fan of that blue filtered night where you can tell that it's shot in the middle of the day, but it's just blue filtered. That always for me, and that's something that Soderbergh does all, quite a bit, and a lot of movies do it. It just always feels cheap, fake. Yeah, cheap. That's a good way to put it. It does feel cheap. It feels like you know you could have lit this better, and you could have made it look more convincingly night. So I don't know. But or yeah. just did it at night. <laughs> yeah, I mean that can work too, for sure. But yeah, I think overall um, it's good stuff. I did play. I have a couple of clips that I wanted to play because I played this one earlier and I thought it was funny. The motive is always money. The motive is always money. Keep it simple, right? Um, I did like this one from Michael Douglas just because there wasn't a lot of humor in this. There wasn't even a lot of there wasn't a lot of levity really, but this one kind of gave me a little chuckle. And the kid who helped me? We'll fix the ding in his car. Okay. I will buy him a new car. <laughs> I think that's that was stupid. good. I did chuckle at that too. The, I did have to pause when the deer popped out when they're driving backwards and all of a sudden just Oh, deer. I screamed. <laughs> that was well done. I, um, I saw I saw the deer come into frame. I'm like, oh, I know what's gonna happen. I know. Yep. And there it is. Yep. Right through the window, too. <laughs> yeah. And he said he had just gotten the car, too. Yeah, I know. It was a nice car. Um, well, yeah. I, I also love that he didn't realize it was a deer until he was, like, after everything had come to a full and complete stop. He's like, oh, God, there's a deer in my car. Well, he yep. he was so full of adrenaline at that point, it didn't matter. Um, the other one I wanted to play was um, also from the same... Uh, collection or scene as the mistake or the motive, which was mistake. Oh, you shouldn't think of her as being a woman. No, that would be a mistake. Like, he's not wrong. You know, the way yeah. Fassbender's looking at it, and, and that was a nice exchange, I think. But I just I had to capture that one because it's true. If you think of her as a woman in the traditional sense, you, you, you're going to have a bad you're time. you wrecked so hard. Yes, very much so. Um, so that was haywire. I did. I did like when uh, when uh, she asked Kenneth if uh, Paul was would wear the dress. Yeah, I, I did. I did also <laughs> kind of chuckle at that. Mm-hmm. That was great. Plus, Fastbender might have she worn. wore a dress. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she did. Um, yeah, that was haywire. It's worth seeing. Check it out. Um, you know, don't let the fact that we told you everything that happened. You lose nothing of the movie because it's not, it's not like a big reveal or, or anything takes away from it. This movie is about the action sequences. It's about framing those and getting to see that. It's got a fun, uh, it's got fun chases in it. It made me want to see more spy movies again. Oh yeah, totally. I, I, it gives me a a want to, uh, to watch some more because it had a very Jason Bourne style, um, feeling to it. Um, or the newer James Bond movies. It's all in that same era. So, Yeah, Atomic Blonde is exactly what it reminded me of. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you get a chance, see it. It's on Netflix. Who knows how long it's going to be on there, but it's an hour and a half. You can you can bang that out any night of the week, and you'll be fine. Um, so that was Haywire. So next week uh, I have actually an old friend of mine coming on the show, Chrissy, and we are going to be talking about Dirty Dancing because I Ooh. have never watched all of Dirty Dancing. What? what? I know. I know. I've seen 
I've seen clips. I know quotes from it. Stop I've the presses. Stop. Never, never watched the movie. Yeah. So apparently nobody puts baby in a corner. I don't know. I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out uh, next week. Um, so that is what's coming up. After that, I don't have anything really scheduled yet. I'm working on the rest. I'm working on more stuff. We are inching ever closer, though, to August and the return of Nicolas Cage month. So I have to I have to work on like a sounder that I can play for Nicolas Cage celebration. Oh, has it been that long already? I know. Yep. Holy Time wow! Time flies, and especially been, when in quarantine. Yeah, I've been working <laughs> up a list. Been working up a list of stuff. So, um, you know, we've got we've got a lot. There's still plenty of uh, Nicolas Cage movies, uh, and oh, several, yeah. quite a few that I haven't seen. So that'll be fun. That's coming up. Uh, at uh, in in August, and I think if I remember the calendar correctly, we have five Sundays in August this year, so we'll get to do five Yay! movies again. So Yay. that'll be fun. Um, my game streams. I'm almost done with Full Throttle. I'm at the very very end. Um, yeah, you have like ten minutes left, if that. Um, so finishing that up, and then I think what I'm going to do on Tuesday is the next time I'll play Full Throttle. I'm going to finish up Full Throttle. And I think I'm going to play Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis because I know that game so well that I can get through most of it in a night. So, hmm. and I kind of want to play that one as a little palate cleanse to uh, for something that I know really well and just kind of hang out and play, and then start up a new one that I haven't played before. So that's coming up, and uh, not this Monday, but a week from this coming Monday, we're going to try and start the new show again. Let's watch Highlander uh, and kick that one off with a twitch watch party uh of season one episode one of highlander the series entitled the gathering um so hopefully it works out this time but we'll see that's uh that's a new oh, show what was your tagline for that one again there can be only one 119 episodes of this show there we go so I'm trying to remember was the gathering two hours no or just or hour and a half two full episodes or just one episode it was just one episode um, huh. it was just done as a torch passing because they had Christopher yeah. Lambert in it. It was the, they had him for, I think a day. So anyway, that's, what's kind of come yeah. up, uh, around here. Um, thanks. And that's a, that's one of the shows I used to run home from school to watch. So. Oh yeah. Well, now that you're working uh first shift, you can come hang out Monday nights when we're doing the show. All right, cool. Yeah, and that is me and Audie Norman, uh, oddly normal one on Twitch or on Twitter. He's uh, actually the one that designed our album art for this show, so he and I will be doing that. Um, yep, still planning on doing that around nine nine p.m. Kit, so um, that'll be that. But thanks, guys, for coming on. I know it was kind of last minute because um, I had to pivot. I was I was originally going to be doing a different movie with a different guest and. I appreciate you guys both um, being able to, to step up and help me out. Uh, Not a problem. Can't say thank you enough for that. So it's been great. It's been a ton of fun. Um, and, you know, we're in the middle of quarantine, and I always say to enjoy your movies, but also be kind to yourself and be excellent to each other. Yeah.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>